So uh, I'm really excited today that we're launching a brand new series called Stretch Marks. And I'm excited not just because we're going to be able to follow the progress over the next five weeks of Team Stretch, which of course is vital, but because I believe God's going to speak to us, God's going to challenge us, and ultimately, as the name of the series suggests, God's going to stretch us. I want to uh, unpack a story this morning from a book in the Bible called the Book of Acts. Now, called the Book of Acts, it's kind of a, uh, it's, it, it, what does that mean, even just the name of this book? And actually, what it was is um, Jesus had been crucified on a cross, he'd been buried in the grave, he rose from the grave, he appeared again to his early, early followers, and then he ascended into heaven. And he left them with, with the job of continuing the mission that he'd come to establish, that, that, that of connecting people in relationship back to his father, back to God, and ultimately building the church. And uh, this was, uh, it seems to me that God had been watching the home shopping network around this time, because what God realized and the home shopping network realized is that a demonstration is better than a description. And so what the book of Acts ultimately is about is, is, is recording of, of miracle after miracle after miracle. Miracles of healing, miracles of provision, miracles of the Holy Spirit appearing, miracles all over the place. And because this was in the days before everyone had an iPhones and GoPro cameras, a doctor at the time, a guy named Luke, thought someone needs to write this stuff down. And so what he did was he, he wrote what was happening in the early church, and, and it's now become known as the book of Acts, but actually it's the, it's the Acts of the Apostles, the, the early church leaders, and it was a story of how the early church was formed. But actually, the miracles weren't ever the end game. They weren't ever the major objective. The miracles were, were, were a means of God demonstrating His love and His power, but His end game was actually to stretch the church. His end game was actually to expand his kingdom and people would see his love, his power, and they'd want to know him. They'd want to get close to him. And so Luke thankfully wrote this stuff down. And so 2000 years later, we can read about these, these miracles, these stories of the stretching of the early church, but it's not just a mental exercise. We, we, we're going to be able to apply lessons for us today. So open your Bibles, open your Bible apps to Acts. Chapter 3, if, if you're uh, not uh, packing a Bible, uh, we're going to be putting these, uh, this story up on the screens, and you can follow along. Let me read what Luke recorded. One day, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John, Peter and John were two of the uh, early church leaders that had been close followers of Jesus. They were on their way into the temple for a prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a man crippled from birth being carried up. Every day, the crippled man was set down at the temple gate, the one named Beautiful, that's the gate's called Beautiful, not the crippled man, uh, to beg from those going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. And Peter, with John at his side, looked the crippled man straight in the eye and said, look here. He looked up, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name. But what I do have, 
I give you. Now, just push pause. I'm going to throw in a lot of bonus content over this next five weeks, so you're going to be glad you came. It's going to be worth every single uh, cent. Um, Just at this point in the story, understand, God never asks us to give what we don't have. The starting point for most miracles is, is, is what is in your hand, not what don't you have, what is in your hand. And what God calls us to do is to actually offer up what is in our hand and trust that he will increase it, that the miracle will come from the starting point. We don't produce the miracle, but the starting point is this obedience. What, what can I do? Not what can't I do. What can I give? What can't I give? And the idea is what you start with isn't what you're stuck with. Scotty, is this microphone on? What I just said was incredible, and it's as if no one heard it. Sure? What you start with isn't what you're stuck with. This is a life principle following Jesus. What you start with isn't what you're stuck with. Oh, I, I got started with terrible parents. Yeah, what you started with isn't what you're stuck with. You can be a better parent then maybe what was modeled to you. What you st- I started with a dead-end job. Yeah, but what you start with isn't what you're stuck with because God is a God of increase. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, walk, Peter said to the crippled man. And he grabbed him by the right hand and pulled him up. In an instant, the crippled man's feet and ankles became firm and he jumped to his feet and walked. Now, here's the thing. He didn't know if the miracle was real until he got moving. The actual manifestation, there's a good churchy word for you. The actual manifestation of the miracle wasn't real until the crippled man got moving. And often the thing that blocks us from getting a miracle from God is is we stop moving. We need to get moving. God's always ready to transform. We need to make sure we get moving. And let me give you another bit of bonus content here as well. Unfortunately, and I'm not picking on the guy, he was doing his job, but the cripple asked Peter and John, actually asked them for something less than God's best. He wanted something from them that would get them through the rest, getting through the rest of his day. And God often exceeds our expectations, and he gave the crippled man something that would give, get him through the rest of his life. And I want to challenge you that some of you are thinking too small. Some of you are praying prayers that are too small. Now, God's into the details, okay? He, he, he knows the number of hairs on your head. It's getting easier for him to keep count for me and some of you. He even knows what some of your original hair color was, ladies. He's into the details, but he's not stuck on the details. We need to stretch our thinking. Don't just ask for small things from a big God. So the crippled man went into the temple with Peter and John, walking back and forth, dancing and praising God. Everyone there saw him walking around and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat begging at the temple's gate. Beautiful. Now, he'd been begging at that gate from an early age. He'd been crippled since birth. Now, the people that had walked past him earlier that afternoon, now seeing him walking, dancing, praising God. That's some far out stuff right there. And they rub their eyes, <laughs> astonished. <laughs> it's a what the moment. Scarcely believing what they were seeing. Now, uh, Jordan, come up here. Bring, bring your guns with you. 
Uh, I need I need to uh, ooh, stand by. All right. Now, you're going to be the crippled man. Just uh, on the floor, basically. On the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hurry up. Jeez. So, so here's the thing. I, I want to just highlight there was a couple of postures that were evident in this moment, okay? Where Peter and John were, were entering the temple. There was a crippled man begging. And he asked them, it's, it, it's not an audition, mate, all right? You've got the job. Uh, begging. And Peter and John, instead of giving them money, Peter said, I don't have any money on me, but what I do have, I can give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And what Peter did is Peter reached down to the crippled man, grabbed him by the right hand, and, and, and now just, yep, okay, pause. Freeze right. What you'll see is two postures here. There's the posture of Peter leaning down, and there's the posture of the crippled man reaching up. And both postures mattered, right? Here's the takeaway. Some days we're Peter, and some days we're the crippled man. Some seasons we're Peter. Some seasons we're the crippled man. Sometimes God's calling us to reach down to others. Sometimes God's calling us to reach up for help from others. That's why we do life in community. Because sometimes some of us are on the mountaintops and some of us are in the valley simultaneously. So the one on the mountaintop can reach down to the one in the valley. But here's the thing. There's a third posture. See, this posture of reaching down is unique to Peter. This posture of reaching up is unique to the crippled man. But there was one thir- a third posture that was common to both of them, and that was stretching. If, he, if Peter hadn't stretched down, and if the crippled man hadn't stretched up, then this opportunity to demonstrate, not just describe God's love and his power, may have been missed. And it's this posture, this posture of stretching that God calls us to live with, to live in every single day. Whether we're down, whether we're up, stretch. Got it? How about we give... Whoa, it's amazing. Good on you, Jordan. Thanks, man. Wow. This stuff works. I was thinking of getting T-shirts printed for everyone. On the front, it was going to say, I know you like me now. And on the back, It says, but don't get used to it. I know you think I'm a great dad now, but don't get used to it because I'm getting better. I know you think I'm a great husband now, but don't get used to it because I'm getting better. I know you think I'm a great leader now, but don't get used to it because me and God, he ain't finished with me. I'm getting better. Anyway, we didn't get those t-shirts printed, but we could have. We should have. You know, I had a, um, Louie and I were kicking back last night watching a bit of Netflix and, uh, and a message popped up on Facebook uh, Messenger um, from an ex-girlfriend of mine. Um, it was very creepy. Very creepy. And, uh, and uh, I haven't seen her since, uh, I, well, obviously I dumped her. Um, and, uh, I mean, come on, people. You know, what I got can't be taught, right? So, um, so, so she had this message, a bing, I'm like, oh, ooh, uh, said, oh, Mark, uh, I've just been looking through Facebook and I've seen some photos of you and you haven't changed a bit in the 22 years since we stopped dating. And I'm like, 
like just lean my iPad away from Louie. I'm like, this is very creepy. And uh, it's, this funny, it's this funny juxtaposition that, that we might say to someone as a compliment when we see them, oh, you haven't changed a bit, right? Which if it's the physical side of things, presuming things were good to start with, um, it's a compliment, right? Oh, shucks. 22 years later, I haven't changed a bit. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, of course I haven't. Flip. Um, but actually, when it comes to our growth and our development and our transformation by God, when you say to someone you haven't changed a bit after 20 years, that ain't a compliment. Now, it's likely that Peter and John weren't the first people to have encountered the cripple that afternoon at the temple gate. In fact, the story makes it clear that the cripple went when he was able to stand and walk, went into the temple, and there was people already in there. People who presumably had stepped over him or stepped around him. Because, you know, it's not convenient. People who, who ironically were going in the temple to pray, but didn't stop with the crippled man to pray. It's too hard. It's too costly. I think sometimes we miss some miracles in our life because we step over stuff that we think is actually an intrusion, an imposition. It's uncomfortable. Inconvenience. Not a good time for me, God. But actually, God often uses the stuff that seems to be in our way to do the stretching. The challenging stuff often causes the most stretching, providing we don't step over it. We don't try to take shortcuts into the temple. We actually allow God to use the opportunity to stretch us. Yeah, it's easier to step over, but there's no miracle. That comes with stepping over. So in this story, real quickly, I'm, I'm going to try and preach this real quickly. I've got a, a standing arrangement with Chris and Jess Judd on behalf of Elevate Kids. For every five minutes, I preach past 11 o'clock. Uh, I have to give them each a glass of wine. It's getting very expensive. So, shh, so I'm going to preach fast. You need to listen fast. There's three moving parts in this story that I want to really drill into. The first of the, of the moving parts is what I call the partnership. You notice in this story, it's Peter and John were going to the temple. Peter and John were doing ministry together. Peter and John. Because it's not just what we do that will cause us to reach God's potential in life. It's also who we do it with. And so the question I want you to ask is, who's your partner and what does he do? Yeah, I don't think a message is complete without an Arnie reference. I actually tested that on Louie last night, and she said I should, have, I should include it. She doesn't have a clue what she's talking about. I should not include that. Please erase that from the podcast. Thank you. It mattered, Peter and John, but also the cripples' partnerships mattered. The, the cripples' partnerships had a role to play in what the cripple experienced. See, see, the cripple had people that brought him to the temple gate every day, right? Which is fantastic. When you're a cripple, you know, have your friends. Uber wasn't around back then, so you needed your friends to physically bring you. That's fantastic. Problem is, they could only take him so far. They could only drop him at the temple gate. They weren't evil. 
In fact, they were fantastic because they did it every single day, had been for years, but they were limited in what they could do for the cripple. And you may be at a season in your life where the partnerships you have, I'm not talking about your spouse, by the way. I'm talking about peers. I'm talking about mentors. Where maybe some of the partnerships you've had have got you so far, but maybe you need to form some new partnerships in order to go further in God. Maybe you need some new mentors. Maybe you need some new voices. Maybe you need some new cheerleaders. Maybe you need some new hunting buddies, some new fighting buddies. Partnerships matter. Then there's another moving part, the path. See, the cripple had an ugly condition, but he put himself in a beautiful place. And I want to encourage you that, that, that the fact that you're here, despite what sort of week you might have had, is the smartest, best, wisest decision you've made. You may be having an ugly week. You may be in an ugly season, but you're here worshiping God with God's people. You put yourself in a beautiful place and it mattered. The beggar wouldn't have got this miracle at the coffee shop on the Sunday morning. The other thing about the path is, <laughs> what if this day was the day the cripple said, ah, you know what? Maybe we just shouldn't do it today. Maybe, you know what, fellas? Mm, mm, I'm, I'm a bit over it. It's pretty, pretty humiliating. I'm done. And he decided that was the day that he wasn't going to go to the temple. Well, he would have missed his miracle. And Cripple asked for some money, but he instead got a miracle because of who he asked. See, he put himself in the path where people were going to pray. People who didn't offer spare change, but instead offered life change. It's a pretty good upgrade. So there's the partnerships. There's the path. Uh, they preach great. Like everyone, everyone, oh yeah, hey, preacher Mark, partnership, woohoo, upgrade my partnerships, woohoo. The path, yeah, I'm here, man, I'm here. Boy, all the people that decided not to come this morning, they should be here to hear this. How ironic. Well, it's great. This is the one that, 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 that isn't quite so glamorous, the price. See, healing is free, but obedience is costly. You've got to realize change will cost you something. And, and, and you need to realize it before you set your sails to say to God, God, whatever transformation you've got for me, I'm up for it. You need to know before you pray that prayer. That's a very dangerous prayer. God likes to answer that prayer. God, whatever you want to do in me, I'm up for it. Whatever you want to change, whatever you want to fix, whatever you want to upgrade, whichever course correction you want to map out for me and lead me towards, I'm up for it. Very dangerous prayer. Gets answered 100% of the time. You're not telling God how to do his job. You're just saying that you're ready to do your job, which is obedience. Trust that when he says change this, you go, oh, all right, yep, I'm up for it. 
If, if you pray that prayer, but don't first appreciate that it's going to cost you something, then what's going to happen is when God starts changing stuff, the reality of the price is going to outstrip the, the, the ultimate motivation for you wanting that in the first place, and you're likely to quit. You need to, we need to understand that obedience is costly. So before you say to God, whatever changes you want to make in my life, I'm up for it. Have you made the decision that the progress is worth the price? See, we might think in that moment that things got so much better for the crippled man. He'd been crippled since birth. Now he's walking, dancing, praising God. But what you need to realize is in an instant, that guy went from self-employed to unemployed. Right? I mean... He might not have been, uh, you know, earning the big bucks like Donald Trump begging, but he was obviously making enough to survive. Now he's unemployed. You can't beg at the, at the temple gates like, no, it doesn't work. I'm going to give you money for that. I'm going to give you money to stop. Doesn't work. So he was told to walk, but he wasn't told where. He was delivered from something, but he hadn't yet been delivered to something. But he had to abandon the familiar to experience the better. And we won't experience the strength unless we're willing to go the stretch. (laughs) This could have been how this story went. Peter reached down. The crippled man was about to reach up. Peter said, now get up. The crippled man goes, I don't know how. I've never done that before. And just stayed on the ground. Well, even if he was healed, what would be the point? So he had to risk, risk trying to stand up, having never, ever, ever, ever done it. He had to risk potentially falling back down to the ground. It might have been a game that Peter and John were playing. (laughs) Healed. No, mate, just kidding. Cripple. Cripple. No, meaning he'd fallen. Oh, gosh. I'm not trying to be offensive here. He was crippled, okay? I'm not saying that's... Gosh, all this political correctness. You need to listen to Donald Trump more. Um, But then, even then, okay, now that you're standing up, Now that you're standing up, which required some assistance, but now that you're standing up, I want you to walk. Oh, no, no, God, I don't don't do walking. I I don't trust you because I've never done it before. If you've done it before and you know you can do it, you probably don't need to trust God. It's doing stuff we've never done before that requires us to stretch our faith and trust that God will meet us. And so we started walking. And it worked. His legs worked. And then, that's all Peter and John said, just to start walking. But when God starts transforming you and you're starting to see that God's power is real and God's love is real, you, you don't rip the handbrake on. Like, it's more like just jump in the back seat and buckle up and say, God, Let's go. So this crippled man, he stood. That must have been awesome. And then he started walking. He must have been like, 
This is amazing. And he's, by the way, his actual physical limbs were, were healed and strengthening. And then all of a sudden he couldn't help himself. He started doing the running man. It just happened. He's doing the sprinkler. Uh, we, we don't do that because we're, we're followers of Jesus. And, and that, that's, that, that means that we're boring. What? No, I'd suggest what? Now, next week, I'm going to talk about the price that Peter and John paid for their obedience. But here's the thing. Another incredible thing happened. The power. God used the partnership. God used the path. God God used and honored the fact that Peter and John and the cripple were both willing to pay a price for stretching the power. I said at the beginning, when Luke recorded the Acts of the Apostles, he was recording the miracle stories, but the miracles weren't the main point. I mean, God wanted to bless people. God wanted to heal people. God wanted to provide for people. God, God wanted to, to fill people with his Holy Spirit. But all of that was because God recognizes that a demonstration is better than a description. And when God's power is real, when God's power is evident, it gets people's attention. Because you can't explain it. And it's attractive. And he was doing this because he wanted his kingdom to stretch. He wanted his kingdom to expand. If we only ever pray for people... If we as church people only ever pray for church people, we're not a church, we're a club. And God didn't send his son Jesus to start a club. He sent his son Jesus so that the whole earth could be restored into a relationship with his heavenly father. So we could walk around for an hour every Sunday and zap each other. Oh, whoops, bull bless you. And woohoo, zap me back. Fantastic. Oh, a little zap for you, Jared. How do you like that, buddy? Felt pretty good, didn't it? And uh, Jess, you want a little woohoo? Whoa, amazing. Fantastic. And then at 11 o'clock. All right, see you for some zapping next Sunday, everyone. God, I love that there's miracles happening in this church. Yeah, elevates me. Whoa. You know, the miracles we read about in the Acts of the Apostles almost never took place inside the four walls of a temple. They took place in people's homes. They took place in, in people's businesses, in the marketplace, on the streets. Because the miracles that God, when he gathers his people, he's, he's good. He's down with doing miracles in and among us, when we gather together, that's absolutely fantastic. We need that. We need encouragement. We need his power. Absolutely. But it's not meant to stop at the door. It's meant to go from the door. We're not a church. We're a club if we don't realize that. And so here's what happened when this miracle took place outside of the temple with this crippled man. The man threw his arms around Peter and John. ecstatic. He, look at this. All of the people ran up to where they were at Solomon's porch to see it for themselves. I, I call this bit the power. 
I was being tricksy. The real power wasn't in the power for the crippled man to get healed. The real power is in the fact that that act drew everyone to want to know how that happened. I'm going to tell you next week what happened next. It was incredible. This week I met with a lady, real smart, real smart lady, um, who's just recently taken over leading a Bible college down the road called Harvest West. And, uh, and she was telling me that, that one of her uh, pivots that she's making leading that, that, that Bible college is to move it away from a place of just teaching knowledge and move it to a place of equipping people for living out and demonstrating God's power. And she recognizes like I do that there's a lot of people there, there there's a lot of people with a lot of bible knowledge. And they can describe a lot of stuff but there's not much demonstration of God's power working in their lives because not not because they're evil, it's because they got stuck. They stopped stretching. And uh, it's not that they haven't got God's power evidenced in their lives because it's not because God's stopped transforming people. He hasn't resigned. Nobody puts baby in the corner. That was one for you, Rochelle. Nobody puts God in the corner. Dirty dancing. Two movie references from the, from the 90s in one sermon message. That's just 80s. That's... I wasn't even born in the 80s, Rochelle. Jeez. I graduated from university before some of you even started teething, but anyway. Um, stretching's, stretching's not an age thing. Stretching's a posture. Occasionally, I have violent thoughts of killing people. When I hear older people, and I'm not going to define when older starts. It's older than me, I guess, but older. When older people say to me, Ah, Mark, when you get older, it's harder to change. I want to kill them. Because who told you that? That's a lie. Because the power to change doesn't come from you comes from God. Does God stop giving you the power to change when you reach a certain chronological age? I don't think so. I think what changes is our willingness to stretch. We change our posture. But you can do that when you when you're in your twenties. Stop stop that. You can you can you can love Jesus and not even start stretching. And so my final word to us this morning is don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Get the t-shirt that says, I know you like me now, but don't get used to it. I want to pray for all of us. Well, actually, I want to pray for all of us. I want to pray for those of us who, this message uh, for the note takers, I, I very rarely reveal the title and I know it drives you crazy. 
is called I'm Up For It. It's called I'm Up For It because that's the posture that, that sparks transformation. God, whatever you want to do, I'm up for it. So I want to pray. The final thing I'm going to do this morning, hand back to you, the amazing Jess Everson, is pray for those of you who, who are willing to stretch. Not just for the next five weeks, although I certainly hope God does something incredible in you and, and, and stirs you and speaks to you and, and, and kicks you up the bottom if that's what you need. If that's you, if you, if you, want, to, if you want me to pray for you, uh, remember that it, that it will come at a price. Remember that you may have to give attention to something you've been stepping over. Just, this is full disclosure before I pray for you because you might not want me to pray for you because you might not want to stretch. It's between you and God. But I encourage you to do it, but I can't make you. But if you do, if you, if you say, you want God, I'm up for it. I, I want to I, I resume that posture or start that posture or make sure I plant my feet where I continue with that posture of stretching. How about you stand and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to be able to tell you what God's going to do. I'm not going to be able to tell you how he's going to stretch you. I'm not going to be able to tell you where he's going to lead you. I'm not going to be able to tell you what sort of areas he's going to ask for more obedience, new obedience, new levels of obedience. I can't tell you any of that stuff. I don't run the world. Sometimes I'd like to. Very few other people think that's a good idea. God being one of them. So we'll leave him in charge. Lord, for the people who are standing, this is, a, this is a physical demonstration of a willingness to stretch. A physical demonstration of a, of a willingness to say, God, whatever you want to do in me and through me, I'm up for it. You want to change things about me? I'm up for it. If you want to use me to be a catalyst for change for the people around me, I'm up for it. If you want to use me to be a, a, a transforming agent in situations, I'm up for it. I'm up for it when it's comfortable. We like that. I'm up for it when it's uncomfortable. Even if I don't like it, trusting you, trusting you, trusting as you reach down, we can confidently reach up, place our hand in yours, even though we don't know what's next. When you tell us to walk, we don't always know where, but we're willing to do it, to abandon the familiar, to experience the better. God, I pray as a church, we continue to forge partnerships that will call us forward, partnerships that will strengthen us, partnerships that will make us more effective together than we would ever be on our own. We're up for it. And that God, as, as you work in us and through us, you demonstrate your power, that the ultimate power would take place, that people would want to know what happened. And who made it happen? And we could tell them about you. In Jesus' name. Amen. How about you grab a seat? And Jess Everson is going to frolic up to the stage.